Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can find the show online at buildingthefutureshow.com or follow me on Twitter at Building Show. You can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. I'm excited to announce that I'm now a brand ambassador for the Business Rock Summit in Manchester, England, April 21st and 22nd, where Steve Wozniak is headlining. More details at business-rocks.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Nicole Bray, founder of Authentic Influence. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I know when we originally talked, it was it was a while ago, and it took a while just for us to coordinate. But I'm I'm excited to have you on the show, and we're actually recording, and you've kind of moved uh, to um, America from Canada. So maybe kind of before we get into kind of what you're doing, maybe let's kind of cover your background a bit, little bit and cover where you grew up. Sure. Um, basically, I was to go way back. I was born in Calgary, um, but I moved to Edmonton in second grade and um, basically had the like Edmontonian blood transfusion. I always kind of laugh about that because I never <laughs> really tell anybody I'm from Calgary. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fact. Um, Edmonton is far more my town. I did move back to Calgary to go to uh, multimedia college right after high school, though. Um, so I did try the city on again um, after after graduation, but Edmonton just really was it just felt more like home to me, so I, I ended up back there um, not long after graduating from college. Sure. But I'm a prairie girl through and through. I lived in Red Deer for a while, and I went to film school as well, so I'm a prairie girl. I've been all across the prairies. <laughs> nice. So did you did you go to SATE then in Calgary? No, actually, I graduated. I was the first graduating class out of the Applied Multimedia Training Center group. Um, it's a... Uh, it's a college that actually started on the East Coast, I think in the Toronto, Ontario area. Right. And they had just started a satellite school in Calgary in um, on the Cloud Trail Century. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but I was the first graduate class out of there in, I think it was 1996 or 97. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So Way back then when yeah. like, you were use those machines and it took six hours to render 30 minutes of 3d animation <laughs> yes I, I remember those days very very well <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome so what did you do after post-secondary um well i went to post-secondary three times so okay yeah uh, multimedia design and communications college okay and then i did a few years at the university of alberta with a major in design and a minor in marketing um, but once I finished all the fun courses at the U of A, I didn't want to do any of the hard courses like economics and statistics. So <laughs> I dropped out of university, um, and I followed a, a different passion and I went to film, uh, and I went to film school in Red Deer. So, um, kind of after that, I moved back up to Edmonton and sort of, um, got a job right away. Actually, actually I got a job right away in Red Deer at the RDTV, it used to be RDTV there, and then it became global for a I little while. That. And yeah, so um, two weeks after graduation from film school, I had a gig. That's awesome. I was working, yeah, as the art director uh, for RDTV, and got to rebrand them, and uh, I did all of their on-air graphics and Chiron and, and all that kind of stuff, which was super, super cool. Sure. No, that that's awesome. So I, I'm curious then, how long did you kind of do TV for? Um, first season in TV, TV in Red Deer was, I think, three years. Okay. Um, but then, then I got homesick for Edmonton. 
so I went on a five-week trip to Thailand um, and explored, got my travel bug when I was 25. That was the first airplane I ever took. Oh, wow. And then after that, we decided to, to move back to Edmonton. So we did our traveling and then moved back to Edmonton. And all the time um, during that time, I was still uh, working as a web designer for my own business. Okay. Uh, on the side. So I just kind of kept doing that when we moved up to Edmonton um, for a little while. Okay. So then how did you kind of get into doing social media? Um, well, throughout, you know, bouncing back and forth in cities and after college and after university and everything, um, I was always the graphic designer and the graphic designer always ends up in the marketing department. Of course, yeah. Um, or... You know, they, you know, so they end up often, you know, back in those days, you're the only one who knows how, knows how to use like, you know, page editing software and things like that. So you start learning how to do marketing things like e-newsletters and brochures and, and things like that. So because I have the graphic design as well as the marketing piece, um, that was always where my career led me. And then in 2009, um, I was working for a law firm. And they were really starting to harness social media. And it was starting to pop up, right? Like Facebook started in sure. 2007. And, and you know, so they were the first company that I worked for that was, um, actually there was second, really harnessing um, social media and using it as a, as a channel for their marketing. And I just saw like a light bulb go off. And I was like, this is the next thing that's really going to be happening. Just like when I went, when I graduated high school, I was like, you know what? The movie Toy Story um, was out then and I was like that is the newest coolest thing I want to do it that's <laughs> so awesome that's why I went to that school and then when I heard about social media I'm like that is the next newest coolest thing I want to learn it so um so I just dove in and I, I taught myself as much as I could and thankfully the company that I was working for was was utilizing it and so I learned a lot about that but Ultimately, I have to say one of the biggest teachers for social media for me is a group that I later um, was volunteering with, which Social Media Breakfast, Edmonton. Oh, yes, I've been to that a few times. It's actually really good. Yeah, so I went to, I think they were only in their fourth session when I went to my first one, and I just saw, you know, how people were using social media. I, I think it was the Edmonton Police Service that were using it at the time, and and I just sort of engulfed myself in, in volunteering with them and seeing the different applications and different ways of, to build community along with marketing a business. Um, so I owe a lot to the, of the learning, real-life learning um, to Social Media Breakfast and just how broad it can be and all the people that I met through there that were doing it um, and learning from them and what they were doing and, and being inspired by them. So Sure. No, I, it's I, huge. I think that's really good advice. I guess for maybe do you want to just mention kind of what the social media breakfast is and kind of does just for, for the listeners that, you know, if they don't have one in their city that maybe they can think about starting one. Sure. Um, social media breakfast it started in Boston. It's been around for almost 10 years, I think. Um, but basically it's sort of an arm of the bigger kind of picture and it's, it's a breakfast meeting. It's free. Um, for most of them are free because the, the, the food and beverage and stuff is paid for by a sponsor. Um, but it's a breakfast early morning where you go to a meeting place and um, 
they introduce you to speakers who are utilizing social media to build community or in their business. Um, they've done everything from um, sharing to people how people have done um, uh, GoFundMe campaigns and things of that nature to little niche pieces like uh, Comic-Con and, and, you know, people writing their own comics on um, things like Tumblr and stuff like that. So it's, it's just a really cool way to learn a lot of different aspects of, of social media and how people are using them. And they try to not be repetitive. They try to teach something new every time. It's less and less about the ins and outs of the application, like how to use Twitter or how to use Facebook or, or Snapchat. It's more about um, how people are building communities using several different tools. And it's more about the ongoing strategy about that versus this is how you use this tool. Um, and they have them in, sometimes some cities have them at lunch hours, um, but they're really taking off. I know that in Alberta, they're, they're in Calgary, they're in Red Deer. I think Grand Prairie just started one up. Um, so there is a basis um, if somebody wanted to start one, if they didn't have one in their, in their sort of uh, area. Um, there is kind of a, a guideline because there are so many different pockets of them in big cities that you get a lot of support and sort of um, branding and, and sort of the, the layout of how to run it and things like that as well. So it's a pretty well-developed, um, I don't even know if you want to call it a franchise. It's a community franchise, I guess. Sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm mm-hmm. curious because you recently moved from Canada down to Houston. Is there one in in Houston? Do you know? There. There absolutely is. That was one of the first things that I looked up. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> I haven't made it yet because it's in the downtown core and to get into the downtown core for breakfast is not a good time with the traffic. I can imagine. But I haven't haven't mastered the crazy freeways here yet, so I haven't been there yet. But I have connected with the host on social media through Twitter. Um, so she knows I'm here and she knows my involvement with Social Media Breakfast Edmonton. Sure. Um, I just haven't made it there yet. See, but I, I think that's really cool because, you know, obviously I, I'm, I'm assuming um, that you, you didn't know tons of people, if any, really in Houston when you, when you moved recently. So I think just having a, a community of people, of like-minded individuals, you know, that you can automatically start reaching out to when you move, I think is, is super powerful. Absolutely, and that the way that that happened is through Twitter, right? Like I, I went to the Social Media Breakfast Houston, and I, I made a list of people on there on my Twitter list, and now I go and I check my Twitter list and see what they're talking about and where they're going to be and what they're doing, and it's a it's a phenomenal tool. And yeah, it was very easy to think of. Okay, well, making a community or joining like-minded, passion people would be uh, very simple. So I kind of put the groundwork out there before I even left um, Canada. Sure. No, I, I think that's super important because I kind of get asked all the time about how how to go about kind of networking, especially in a town or, or city that you just moved to. And I think, you know, I, I found Twitter and Facebook and, and LinkedIn kind of super useful for that. And I think it's just all about figuring out who you want to target in, in that city and kind of going after it, like like you just mentioned. Yeah, and I think there also needs something to be said of, you know, the technology. Like, you know, even 10 years ago, people were on, you know, little back-end forums that didn't have the platforms, but now we have these tools that that can make that joining of that community so easy and so, um, you know, kind of a 
applicable to, to wherever you are. So hands up to the to the tools that are out there now to make that process seem so less foreboding. Sure. No, that's awesome. So I'm kind of curious, maybe let's talk about your company, Authentic Influence, and, and kind of why did you start the company? Um, well, I started the company only because I had to have a company name for tax purposes. I only ever okay. wanted to be a consultant. Interesting. So I only ever wanted to be a consultant. Um, I had a graphic design business um, previously, and so I knew sort of, I kind of knew what I didn't want to do um, by learning the ropes my graphic design business. So I didn't want to have this huge breadth of client base per se and have a whole bunch of freelancers and, and get so bogged down by the business management of things. I still wanted to be the hands-on consultant. Right. So, um, so I started out, um, basically I met my first client at a networking event Okay. Um, and told her, you know what, this is what I'm branching out into. I was still employed at that point. I said, but this is really where I'm focusing and what my niches are, are going to be. And she said, we need somebody like you. And so I sent her in a proposal and within three months, she was my first client. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, I, I think that's super important, like about kind of getting back to networking and, you know, you just kind of run into somebody and automatically you, you kind of start your consultancy. Yep, absolutely. And I think timing was big too. Um, you know, if, if someone's feeling that they're on the precipice of something and they have that sort of flutter in their heart and they just can't wait to dive in, that means that now is the time. If I would have waited and sort of dragged my feet and, you know, I had no idea what the proposal was going to say. I didn't know what it was going to look like. You know, I just went ahead and wrote, you know, the duties that I would perform for this company and what my rate was. I did my research on rates and things. Um, and, and I just put it out there and I just let it go to the universe and said, you know what, if this is meant to be, then that, that's how it's going to be. And, you know, it just sort of luckily kind of all came together in this beautiful sort of type of business, I guess. Um, but what I did know from my previous business was, you know, sort of to keep that proposal brief, um, and really service and make it about the customer versus about me. That makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's really good advice. And I, I love the idea that you didn't really have kind of a proposal. You just kind of was like, well, this is my first one. Let's go for it. Right. I, I love that idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you're given an opportunity like that, you got to think of it. You know, you got to go for it. Well, sure. And I think part I of just, it, too. I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, was just gonna say, I just remember that feeling of being so excited to write that proposal and to focus on this next part of of marketing and how I was so eager to learn and it was a phenomenal client that I got to work with. Um, I had a, an amazing brand established already. So that excitement really helped me sort of just go for it. Sure. So you, you don't have to mention any client names, but kind of what types of clients do you like to work with or who do you work with? I've worked with everything from um, smaller malls to real estate agents, to not-for-profits, um, to hotels, uh, and to a TV station. So I'm kind of all over the place. Um, That's good. It keeps it interesting. Kind of, yeah, the kinds that I've really been drawn to are um, the clients that would tell the Edmonton story in okay. a way. So hotels, obviously, they talk about tourism and they talk about the city and I'm such a huge fan of Edmonton, even though I'm not there anymore. But 
um, it was it's easy to talk about a concept versus selling. So I guess the clients I like to work for or with are ones that aren't necessarily trying to market or sell a product, but more so sell an experience. Like a realtor is selling mm-hmm. the experience of moving your life into your home that's going to be filled with memories. Right. That's the story that I want to tell. I don't want to tell, come and buy my $69 whatever product it is. I, sure. I don't want to tell those stories. And social media isn't the place to do that anyway. Um, so knowing that right off the bat or is sort of helped me to know, um, granted, you know, the mall that I was working with, it was a very tough to not sell, right? You're trying to get people to the mall to buy things and be in the stores and, and things of that nature. So we would do contesting and things like that that would draw people in and, and have them sort of experience the mall by doing scavenger hunts or, or you know, photos with Santa or things like that. Um, something that would bring something to their life versus a product that they were just going to take home and, and, you know, that type of thing. So those are the kinds of clients I do like to work with, the ones that have a good story to tell. Sure. No, that's awesome. And kind of looking at your, your profile online, you're you kind of mentioned that you're a brand ambassador for a lot of these companies. Do you want to maybe cover kind of before you talk about, maybe like talk about what a brand ambassador is or kind of does for a company? Sure. Um, So being a brand ambassador means a lot of companies don't like to talk about themselves. They're very humble. Um, They kind of maybe don't know a whole lot of marketing. Um, So having a brand ambassador is a person that, can't wait to shout from the rooftops all of the awesome qualities of that business and why they can make a difference in a person's life. So I love being the brand ambassador for Edmonton, you know, talking about all the great things about Edmonton, the winter city and things like that. Um, So having somebody else be the champion takes that, you know, sort of let away from somebody thinking that they're bragging about themselves. Right. Um, So, it's so easy to, you know, to hit up your buddy and say, hey, you did awesome at this, 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 and that. Or I love it when you go to this, 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 and that. Um, it's so easy to talk about somebody else than to talk about yourself. So it's great to have a person who has the mindset where, A, they buy into the company 110%. That's obviously first and foremost. You have to buy into their marketing, their their um, mission statements, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you have to honestly feel like this is a good company and they are providing value to people to be a brand ambassador. Um, And then it's also about being a storyteller. So to be a good brand ambassador, you have to sort of open people's eyes and say, that would be a great story. We need to tell the public about that. And because sometimes people are so in their business, they have their blinders on. It's all about profits and margins and meetings and budgets. And, you know, they don't kind of have that sort of look at things. So it's your job as a brand ambassador to, to pull out those those nuggets of stories. Um, you know, a lot of people don't talk a lot about what they're doing in the community, like how they're giving back. So, you know, again, that's another piece that people are very humble about. They don't want to be bragging that they're giving $50,000 to the food bank this year. But they should be, right. right? So you, as a brand ambassador, have to say, look at how you're contributing to the community that your business is in. You're doing a great job. Let's tell people about it. You know, so that's really, in my mind, the, the, the brand ambassador's job is to just be the champion because someone else is too humble to do it themselves. 
Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. And, and it's super important. And I think also being kind of a brand ambassador lets you kind of meet and interact with people that almost you wouldn't get to necessarily interact with just if it was you personally, at least in my experience, when I've done it, it's, it's kind of, kind of opened a bunch of doors that I didn't really see possible until I started kind of doing it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. When, again, when you're not talking about yourself, but you're talking about somebody else, I mean, that, that whole issue is not there anymore. So it's very easy to go into a group and meet people and, and just be yourself and, and, you know, kind of hang out and meet new people, I guess. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So maybe let's kind of talk about if I'm a business or, or even personally, and I kind of want to get started with social media, how should I get started with social media? Um, well, if you're a business and you want to get started on social media, Obviously, the very first thing you have to have is a marketing plan and a marketing budget. Okay. So have a marketing plan, know your mission statement, know your key values, and figure out what stories you can tell that are about your business and your contribution to the community versus trying to sell them a product. Because it's not a, social media isn't about selling, it's about building community so that that's community will then buy from you. So figure you've got to lay the groundwork of building the community and building an authentic community. So figure out from your, you know, profile your customers. What I often do with, with my new clients is we profile like three to five customers. We say, this is Susie, Susie travel girl, or this is Brad, um, the lawyer guy, or this is, you know, and we profile these, these customers so that we know when we're trying to market to them what we should be saying and what we should be speaking to. Um, so kind of have, so that when you're writing your Facebook post, you're thinking, oh, you know, um, maybe you're Cabela, and you're, oh, well, Hunter Harry is going to want to read about this, but that was just posted in this other magazine, you know, kind of so you can put that hat on of your customer. And so you're using the language that they're going to be intrigued by. So right. That's another thing to do. Um, and then just figure out the stories that you can tell and what, how they're going to tell what you're, everything you do online is going to tell a story to those five potential customers. Sure. No, I, I think that's that's really good advice. Is there kind of, or do you have any advice on kind of what networks to start with? Because there's so many nowadays. Yes. Um, it depends on your, some of it depends on your, on your budget. But again, it depends on your customer. So where are your customers? Um, you know, if your customer is an 18-year-old or an 18 to 25-year-old, they are not on Facebook. They're on Snapchat and they're on Instagram. Um, if you're targeting, you know, the people who are lawyers or a little bit more intellect or like to read reviews of services and products, then you're likely going to want to be on Twitter because people are looking for that referral, that shout-out from somebody recommending something. Um, and that's really kind of what Twitter, a, a personality who uses Twitter is more like. I always say that Twitter is like the CNN news feed of any city. So it's more of a news gathering and information gathering resource um, versus Facebook, which is, you know, kind of your backyard barbecue, generally six degrees of separation from your neighbor or your high school buddy or, or you know, 
So really know where, um, pick the network where you know your, your ideal client is going to be. Now, the other aspect that comes into the picking of the social media channel is what's your budget and how much analytics do you need to back up the spending of your budget. Sure. Facebook's advertising is incredible. Their analytics are awesome. Their interest list, you can use pixels that when people click on your website, it's trackable to their IP address and you can create a list out of that. Like its back end for its advertising has phenomenal analytics. It's really good and it can be extremely affordable. Sure. Um, whereas Twitter's analytics are not nearly as strong and it's pricier, but their reach is a little bit bigger. Because they don't have the algorithms that Facebook has that keeps things out of people's news feeds, right? Right. So if you've got 100 people on your Facebook page, only 3% of them are seeing your content unless it's paid for. And even if it's paid for, you might be able to bump that up to about maybe 42%. Right. So, I got you. Interesting. So would you say there – what would you recommend? Like is there a minimum that people should kind of put aside – for, for a budget, like is it a couple thousand, is it 10,000, or does it really depend on kind of the client? Uh, the budget to start out doesn't need to be that big. The budget to start out is actually your time, the cost of your time. Okay. So when you're first starting out, you need to be able to pretty much feel like you're working for free. <laughs> sure. Because you're going to be spending a lot of time building community. And that's the first step. Once you've got a client, a, base, a little bit of a base and you can start advertising, because you can't even, if you're talking Facebook, you can't even advertise unless you have 100 likes on your page to start with. Okay. Um, you have to have 100 first before you, it'll, it'll even give you the option to advertise. Whereas Twitter, you know, people are going to click on your link or click on your profile. And if you haven't established a little bit of a following and they see a little bit of a record and some history of, of your conversations, then, you know, then you're losing out. So it's all about laying that groundwork and building the community initially before you start spending. Okay, so it could take months, Once you really. Build a yes, absolutely. It could take months. Okay. But do oh. it thoughtfully, right? Social media isn't something you're going to jump in and within three weeks, you're going to have $100,000 in sales. It's just not going to happen. Sure. I guess unless yeah. you're like so, a huge, huge brand or something, right? Like it's it's unheard of. Yeah, if you're a huge brand, then you've been doing social media for a long time already, and this sure. is not new. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's no, it's it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, so I'm curious then, would you recommend kind of sharing different content on different networks, or just share everything across everything? Um, oof, that's tough um, because I think that your audience is a little bit different on each channel, so you can sometimes get away with sharing the same content on multiple channels. Um, but make sure that each channel has a little bit something different. Definitely don't auto-post. Don't auto-post anything. Don't link your Twitter to your Facebook, to your Instagram. Just don't do it. It's lazy marketing. <laughs> sure. And people are going to notice it and discredit you because it, it's like you're not really committing to the community. You're, you're looking for an easy fix. And people notice that, and they'll know right away. Um, so spend the time cultivating the network, and I think I forgot the question. No, I just kind of like share different content on different networks. Yes, good or oh, bad, yeah. I okay, guess. Okay, so sharing, right. Um, so so keep, keep each network organic to itself in how that network is supposed to function. 
and then you can kind of keep different pieces of content like like a longer story on Facebook obviously is not going to work on Twitter sure and you probably don't want to write this big long story on Facebook and then write a tweet about it and send somebody back to Facebook you can but would that then be better as a blog post so I say you know keep it you know I don't know like every fifth post on all channels maybe sort of kind of that type of of way to go about things and again you have to think are you on all channels with the same customer probably not right right so think about how that channel works into your customer profile and if it should be on all of them that makes sense no that makes a lot of sense i i think it's it's interesting because even just like me doing the social media stuff for for this show it's it's weird how like certain content works really well on certain networks and there's even certain networks that I post content and I've tried kind of like promoting it a little bit and some networks it does really, really well and others I get like no traction whatsoever. So I've kind of stopped, you know, posting stuff to certain networks and, and whatnot and I might try to revisit it in the past, but I think um, you kind of almost need to try different things on different networks and then kind of weed out the networks that aren't really working for you. Or, or do you disagree with that statement? No, I think that's absolutely right. You do have to try things on and see what's working and what, what, what doesn't. That's why social media marketing is so interesting and why it's, it's around still is because things are always changing and you have to sort of go with the flow and try things on and, and that's why analytics are so key, right? You've got to look at your analytics and say, okay, did that work? And if it didn't, then stop doing it and try something else. You have to be a bit of a risk taker and have to be willing to try things and willing to bang your head against the wall sometimes too. <laughs> no, I hundred percent agree. Cause like, like the show does really well, for example, like I, I, I keep using myself just cause I, I know it the most, I suppose, but it's like the show does really well as like on FM as a podcast, but on YouTube, I, I can't break YouTube, you know, like it's just one of those things that I still post content to, but I don't promote it at all anymore just because it's, it's just not worth my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe one day just, I'll, I'll go back more, to it. Just mourn, mourn YouTube a little bit for a little while and, <laughs> and then get over it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Totally have a little yeah. funeral. and. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious then, how often would you recommend people be posting on uh, social media? Um, I've honestly found uh, the best formula for the majority of my clients is one per day on Facebook. Okay. And don't forget about don't forget about the weekend because the weekends are still important. Use your analytics on Facebook to know where what what time your your community is online. So go into the insights and find out okay, well on, you know, do I bother posting at 9 a.m.? No, because everybody's on at 9 p.m. Right. You know, look at that that curve in the analytics dashboard on Facebook and and really study it so that you know. Um, Twitter is more like that CNN news feed. So you can post a tweet an hour if you have that much valuable content. Um, you know, people people scroll down Twitter and within, you know, they can only get past an hour before it's been 15 minutes and they need to go on and move on to their life, you know? Sure. Um, so once an hour does work. I My formula that I like to not be too noisy and that I have good quality content for is about twice per day on Twitter, to be okay. honest. 
No, that makes um, sense. Then it's not always about talking about yourself, though. Time should still be spent on both of those networks, talking to your community, looking up hashtags, getting in on conversations that have absolutely nothing to do with your business. You know, there has to be at least 30 minutes a day per net, per network that you're spending just building community and not talking about yourself at all. Oh, that's it. That's interesting. Um, yeah. You know, like, you, you can't even go on Twitter and just be a talking head. Sure. Um, but depending on, on who you are, like, you're going to get so much further of being a talking head if you actually engage with people. And find out who your influencers are. Influencers on Twitter are huge. Sure. So, so you can find out who those influencers are and, and connect with them in a genuine way on a weekly or even a monthly basis, you will get far more traction with the content that you're putting out there. So how would you kind of go about connecting with these people? Do you just, just like at, like reply at them or, or is there kind of another tactic? Um, even something simple as retweeting their content, give them a like, Hey buddy, I'm listening to you. Okay. I like what you're putting out there and I'm going to, I'm going to endorse what you're talking about. For example, a favorite works that way as well. Um, I live and breathe in my Hootsuite dashboard. Um, I have key, uh, keyword searches. I have hashtag searches, you know, uh, for one of my clients, um, just one hashtag search helps me get into conversations. You know, they live in a smaller community. They're in Sherwood Park. So I tune into the Sherwood Park hashtag on a daily basis, sometimes two or three times a day, and I retweet content uh, that's community-minded. I uh, like and favorite, or I reply back to something that I think is cool or, or anything like that. So, so you can really quiet the noise that is Twitter by using the Hootsuite dashboard. I am a huge proponent of Hootsuite. I took their Hootsuite University course about four years ago, and it it was awesome, and it's free, and, and it walks you through really in depth of how to use the tool. Um, so using that tool really helps me authentically engage with um, the people that I, I am connecting with, and Twitter lists are huge. Again, you're taking your following of over 8,000 people per chance, and you're narrowing it down to, let's say, foodies. Right? Maybe you're a restaurant right. and you want to narrow it down and you make a list of all the food bloggers and then you have your list in your dashboard and then those food bloggers are all chatting up whatever they're chatting up through the day and you can chime in on that conversation. You know, Oftentimes, somebody will say any recommendations for whatever in the thing and we'll be able to say, hey, we have this special hot chocolate happening on the patio right now and it's a very authentic self, um, but essentially that's what we're doing. Right. Yeah. No. Totally. This is this is really good advice because, like, I, I know lots of people struggle with this and and don't really understand it. And I think just knowing some tools and kind of um, free courses and kind of what to promote on which networks, I, I think, makes a lot of sense. And I'm and I'm kind of curious. Have you tried anything with like Blab or Periscope or kind of any of those like other streaming video services? I have. I really like Periscope. Um, I think it's new and really cool. And I think that Periscope has a valid um, space in in the social media space. It is for real-time stuff. Like, let's say, again, you're a restaurant, and your chef is cooking, I think, a Christmas turkey. And you decide, you know what, I'm going to do a Periscope, 
I'm essentially going to do a mini cooking course on how to properly baste this turkey or stuff it or something real time so that people are, are tuning in right now in the moment. They're in the kitchen. They're, you know, and especially if you build a following around the chef or around a restaurant, people are going to tune into that. Like that's like basically watching TV that was made for you in your house and it's on your phone while you're on the bus or, you know, whatever. Sure. So I think it's a really exciting platform. But I think the challenge with Periscope, and, and scopers are, are starting to learn kind of how to do this, is you spend, a lot of scopers spend so much time, you know, thanking people for hearting them and saying hello to all the people as they're coming on to, as they're coming on to the network. And I think that that loses people. I think that if you spend the first five minutes saying, hi, so-and-so from Syracuse, hi, so-and-so from Alabama, hi, so-and-so, then you're not giving the value that people have tuned in for. So I think that that's the one sort of thing that periscopers haven't really sort of figured out yet um, is to how to have that engagement and getting, you know, that, that, that heart or talking to the people who are tuning in as well as providing the value of the video content that you're, that you're, you're giving to them. So it'll be interesting to see how that sort of um, kind of rolls out and if they make any changes to the network or, or anything like that. Um, and the other thing that's cool with Periscope is, you know, those things only last 24 hours. So the sense of urgency to watch now is definitely there. So if you can use Twitter to say, hey, I'm scoping about this at 3 p.m. on Friday and, you know, send that tweet out a couple of times throughout the week to tell your community to tune in on this new network and when, then they're going to come over and they're going to get that valued piece of real-time content and then, you know, they have the opportunity to share it at in the moment or, you know, it lasts for 24 hours and they might say, hey, I watched this super cool scope, you know, and then send it out to the world knowing that it's got a timestamp. Yeah, no, so that's that... a really cool new network. If you can find if you can find your niche and create value in real time of what that video is going to be all about. Sure. No, I, I, that's interesting to me. Um, I'm kind of curious about a couple other networks. Like, do you do anything on Snapchat? I've I've heard mixed kind of reviews about it, and I'm kind of curious to know if you've had any kind of success or with with Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat myself because my clients don't um, don't have a youthful community. Okay, but fair. Snapchat, uh, for for my understanding, is a very youthful demographic. You know, anywhere from 12 year olds to maybe like 2022, 20, and sure. and a little bit of the older demographic. Um, I the brands that I choose to work with are very um, elegant and sophisticated. And I find that the emoticons and, you know, sort of some of the things on Snapchat are just not applicable to my clients. So I, I don't use that network. Um, I think it would re be really cool to have a client where that niche demographic is totally, you know, there um, and, and to dive into that. But as of yet, I haven't had a client that, that uses it. And I don't want to spread myself too thin. Sure. Um, that's just something else for businesses, right? You don't, you cannot be successful being everywhere. Sure. So, you know, if you if you aren't posting something on Snapchat like once a day or even three times a week, then you know what are you doing there? No, I I think that's really good advice, right. and and I think just the fact that you you kind of have a target client and you just don't use certain networks because they don't 
they're not your client's target audience. I think that's just as useful as saying you should post here, right? It's also saying like you shouldn't post here because of the demographic or the type of content. Because you're right, emoticons don't really kind of show off the luxury hotel market, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's that's really yeah. good advice. Yeah. If your branding works in the Snapchat, I guess that's another thing too. If your branding works in the Snapchat realm, then go for it. Like if you don't have to worry about font choice and, and, and photography, style and lighting and all of that, then then for sure, you know, give it a shot. So apply that, you know, if your brand works in a Snapchat, you know, snapshot, then then go for it. So, yeah. Sure. No, I think that's really good advice. But Nicole, we're out of time. So maybe let's close the show with kind of promoting um, yourself online and where people can kind of find you online. Um, again, I'm just a consultant. I do have two freelancers, but primarily I'm a, I'm a one a one a one pony show. Um, sure. So they can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to find me. Okay, I'll post um, that in the show Nicole notes. Gray on LinkedIn. Yeah, and then my website address, I just have an About Me page, um, which is on my LinkedIn as well. Okay. Um, I, I guess the reason why I don't have a huge social media presence for my business is because then I'm taking my focus away from being the brand ambassador for my clients and having to be the brand ambassador for my business. So that's why I've chosen to not um, really establish a strong social media presence for my business because I, I want to be able to walk into my client's businesses and be their brand champion and not have to worry about, oh, this will be a great story for my business. And then, you know, kind of do that self-promotion thing. Again, I'm humble. I don't really want to talk about myself. <laughs> I want to talk about other people. So, so that's what. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because you're right. You can suck so much time into promoting yourself, like just with social media and other channels and whatnot. And you're right. It just definitely takes away from from your client time and, and especially like if you're just a consultant you don't really want to you're not saying like oh we're trying to get like a hundred employees it's just like you just want to take enough client work just to handle yourself and yeah maybe farm out a little bit to to some other people but it, it makes sense as like what you're trying to do as a consultant and I think that's really good advice for people out there yeah I mean if you just want to start out then be a consultant be a freelancer start out that way and, and get get a good uh, client base that you can handle individually without without burning out because you got to worry about social media burnout too um and and that's a good way to start so. sure no that's awesome well yeah. uh nicole this has been awesome thanks again for doing the show and uh you know we'll be in touch soon great thank you so much thank you for having me i've got it finally in solution and I appreciate you giving me the platform to talk about something that I totally love, which is building communities in social media. Awesome. All right, man. Well, you have a good day, and we'll uh, talk soon. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can visit past shows at buildingthefutureshow.com. If you're going to the Startup Expo on February 16th and 17th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and want to record an episode, please contact me. The music for the show is by Electric Mantra. Check him out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.